What's going on, everyone? Welcome to another episode of the Breaking Barriers Basketball Podcast. My name is Coach Daniel Diaz, and in today's episode, I have a conversation with our guest, Robert Banez, um, who is one of my best friends. Um, I met I met Rob through the Filipino basketball world um, a long time ago in our in our middle school days in the Northern Virginia D.C. area around my hometown. Um, he is also the founder of the Puso Foundation, and we kind of talk about that in our episode. And um, so I met Rob through basketball, like I said, at a younger age, but I didn't really get to know him as well until he became one of my best friends when we were roommates in college at JMU, and this was our, our freshman and sophomore year. Um, and it's kind of a funny story on how we became roommates. So basically, um, we put together a team in that Filipino basketball league that I was talking about um, in our senior year of high school after our respective school seasons had ended and it was comprised. And this team was comprised of my cousins and some friends, including Rob. So, um, and, and like I said, this was during the springtime. And this was in the time period of basically getting accepted into colleges and trying to figure out where we're going and the next chapter, um, the next chapters in our lives. We both ended up getting accepted into VCU and JMU. And um, I got waitlisted at Virginia Tech, so I was kind of waiting on them, but... Um, ultimately I was kind of deciding between VCU and JMU, um, and, and, and getting accepted into schools was in the time period was in the beginning of the season, uh, of, of the spring season that we had. Um, so during the season of the games, after every game, we would talk about schools and our plans. And Rob was basically was just like, you got, do you have any roommates in mind? Um, and I didn't have any at the time and he was basically just saying, why don't we just be roommates? Uh, so from then on, I remember, like I said, this was the beginning of the season. He, he kind of engraved that in my head. So as the season went on after every game, you know, the times when you're just chatting, um, and you're thinking about why we lost and blaming the refs or we're like hype that we won. And then we're trying to figure out what we want to eat afterwards. Um, but during those times when we're just like unlacing our shoes and we're just talking, um, he would just kind of, we would kind of all just talk about like where we were going for school and what we had planned and which we wanted to go to. And like I said, at that time I was, I was leaning towards VCU and JMU, but I was leaning towards VCU because my brother was attending that school at that time. Um, and I met some of his friends and some of the people over there and just seemed like it would, it would be really cool to go over there. Uh, so, but long story short, somehow Rob convinced me to go to JMU with him instead of VCU. And basically the rest is history. And you can kind of see in his personality in this episode on how he was able to convince me and get the ball rolling with that. Um, and to this day, it is still one of the greatest decisions of my life that I've ever made. Um, I love JMU to death. That school is awesome. I learned so much. I got to meet so many, so much, so, um, so many amazing people. I can't even talk right. That's how passionate and happy I am in this school. Um, but it was just a great, great experience. I learned a lot academically, socially, um, and just built some great relationships, relationships, and um, and and an amazing network. So, and that experience that I just kind of I just explained would not have been what it is, and I can say this wholeheartedly that it would not have been what it was without my guy Rob. Um, he, I learned a lot from him. Um, just being his roommate, being, being best friends, just seeing each other every day and, um, taking some things 
that I can see as far as personality wise and kind of um, trying to put that in my life and him being a go getter and um, just being so having that confidence and things that he does and the networking aspect. So um, that JMU experience was just so great because Rob played a big part of that. And I, I, I just thank him so much for that. So with all that being said, let's get to my conversation with Rob. Thanks for joining me, Rob, on this podcast, on this first episode. Um, I really appreciate you coming up. Um, how have you been? How's, how's everything been going through through uh, through this COVID era and everything these past few months? Daniel, it's good to be here, man. I appreciate you for the invite, uh, being the first guest. It's a definite honor. Um, yeah, COVID's been strange um, in many ways. I think, you know, you have that fear of, you know, getting sick and maybe having it or passing it on. Um, but you know, obviously we're three, four months into it now. And, you know, although it's been bad for a lot of people, um, luckily for me and my family and my close you know, network, we haven't been touched in a negative aspect. And, you know, I'm praying that that continues. But, you know, all things considered, I'm doing pretty well, man. That's good. That's great to hear. Um, any new hobbies or activities you've been able to get into with this extra time, if, if you've had extra time? Yeah, you know, it, it's a ton of time. You know, I'm typically on the go. Uh, busy with games, traveling. <laughs> so really for me, um, using this time to really grow has been important. Okay. Um, some of the things I, I personally have been diving into um, is actually just getting a better understanding of uh, the stock market and investing. And that's wow. something that I, I feel like a lot of people um, don't get to, you know, dive into um, until a later age or some some others are already into it, you know, early in their 20s. But for myself, I never really had that, um, passed down in terms of my family and mm -hmm. for me, you know, to be able to educate myself, take the time to take on uh, new classes and learn. That's been one thing. And then aside from that, just, you know, growing on the photography side, uh, mm -hmm. I've been taking YouTube classes almost every day. Wow. Um, just trying to, you know, grow my photography skills and also dive into videography as well as a creator. I think it's uh, important to be multifaceted and mm -hmm. uh, in the industry today, you know, if you don't have both, it's almost like you're, and at a disadvantage. So uh, definitely, uh, you know, photography and videography have also been some things I've been working on during the free time. Awesome. It sounds like you've been <laughs> using this this extra time in a way that keeps you, like, busy learning and, and making it efficient. So that's that's really good to hear. Um, so we met in high school, senior year, or not senior, even a long time ago, and middle schoolish, and then we became close towards senior year high school. Um, through Filipino basketball, the, the FIBA, Filipino basketball organization over there in Northern Virginia. And um, and then we became roommates our freshman year because <laughs> we decided that we wanted to go to JMU. And it was a fun time. We were like free agents trying to figure out what we wanted to do. We ended up taking our, ta <laughs> taking our talents to Harrisonburg and teaming up over there. Um, yeah, but, yeah. but from JMU, I mean, through our, our freshman year and sophomore year being roommates, um, I learned a lot on how to network. And obviously, like I, like I always tell you, you played a big role in that. Um, and it really opened my eyes in the importance of networking. So um, with that being said, like, how did you get to be so personable and outgoing? Like every time we go on campus on our way to the gym, We'd stop by like five people. You'd be talking to, hey, what's up, what's up, and then we had you'd have like a <laughs> side conversation for a few minutes, and we finally make it to the gym, and then on our way to the gym, gym, there's a more side <laughs> conversation. So how did you how did you get in get to be like that person uh, personality wise? Yeah, it's 
crazy that you bring that up because that actually makes me miss the environment we had at JMU mm-hmm. where, you know, you could walk around and, you know, you could see anybody unexpectedly, especially because I worked at the gym. So I worked at UREC. And yeah. I think that was a big key at JMU was working at UREC. I, I got to meet so many people through that. Um, but beyond that, I just in terms of being personal and outgoing, um, I haven't always been like that, which is mm. funny. Um, when I was growing up, I had a list. So I was very, you know, shy and fearful when speaking to new people. Uh, so I think when I got to college, I was starting to break out of my shell. Mm. And I mean, you're, you're at college, you're at 20,000 people university. I knew four or five people going in. Yeah. So it's kind of giving me an opportunity to just be myself and freely move. And, uh, you know, I, I just I had that confidence and I you know, would build that up. And naturally for me, like personally, I love getting to know people. I just at the time I was, you know, I had. Uh, I was I had a lack of confidence, but you know, mm-hmm. I guess going into freshman year, it was just an opportunity to meet so many new people. Like I went to a Catholic high school that had 800 people in the school, 200 person <laughs> graduating class. Before I went to high school, I Jeez. went to another elementary and middle school that had a class of like 20. So I just get into college. I was just so excited to meet all these new people, new faces, people from Jersey and Cali and DC, you know, yeah. all across the globe, really. So it was just cool, and I think I, that probably was one thing that motivated me. Yeah, uh, for sure. Bef- I didn't even know that. So before college, like in high school, you were not as outgoing as you were. Is that what you're saying? Or like, I, I wouldn't say in high school I was, but like growing up, like oh, I okay. from, okay. you know, like the, the third grade to like mm-hmm. eighth grade, I definitely was shy because um, I didn't, you know, I was kind of fat and chubby. And <laughs> I remember having like highlights in my hair and I just, I was just in that, that weird, you know, that teen, wrong, early, yeah. or, you know, early teens, like, no one really liked me, and I was like, okay, I guess no one likes me. And I think, yeah, in high school, it started to break a little bit. You know, playing sports yeah. probably was the biggest thing. I think, you know, playing basketball and football was huge. You, the people you meet, the conversations you have, the life lessons you learn on and off the court, um, and those things you apply back to life, I think that probably was a big piece. But, yeah, um, yeah I think, it, you know, it, over time it grew. And when I got to college, it was just like free game. All right, let, let me just figure out who I really am. <laughs> yeah. I know setting the tone freshman year, moving in. Cause when, now when you told me that your confidence wasn't as high, like I know full, it came full circle when <laughs> we were unpacking and we were almost done unpacking and you take out one last picture frame <laughs> and put it on your desk. And I was like, oh, that's cool. What does he have a picture? I was like, I was just glancing over. And, I, and it was a picture of yourself, on, <laughs> that your football picture. <laughs> I was like, well, you got a picture of yourself, man. You got, you got to look at yourself before you go to sleep or something. Oh, man, I remember that, bro. It's crazy. <laughs> I just remember, like, how small that room was. And I can't believe we lived there. Yeah, no, like, man. That literally was a square. <laughs> tree houses. Like, what? Yeah, it's, that's pretty crazy. The good thing was you would leave me every weekend for team, so you know it sounded like my own room, <laughs> that second is half true. of the year. So you had your own weekend weekend room to yourself. <laughs> I just remember I would come home, bro, and your slippers were gone. I'm like, up, oh, he left me again. <laughs> like it'd be Friday at like twelve. I'm like, damn, he left already. Oh, quick! Yeah, I'd be out there quick. I'm like, I'm out of here. I finished my class. I'm out of here. Sorry, Rob. Yeah, good, t- good times, bro. <laughs> I still remember on on the driving back or driving to Richmond. I'll get a text. Man, you're gone already. Oh, you're leaving this weekend again. <laughs> <laughs> I used to be so mad. Come on, man, just stay. Yeah, I, I ever come here. <laughs> yep, exactly. Times, That's funny. Um, but moving on a little bit. So, 
whenever we have our conversation, we talk on the phone, or when, when you recently visited Virginia Beach, we were able to we were able to talk for a little bit, and um, this was off wax, and you we were talking about um, the importance of, importance of mentors, and like I tell everybody, whenever I have my athletes that I talk to, the mentors is so important, and uh, you kind of touched on it when we were talking, and um, in your own kind of words, how important is it to you to have mentors, and why is that? Oh man, it, it's vital. Um, I think personally, for me and my experience with mentors, I, you know, I grew up without my dad, so I was. I think I've always seeked, you know, older males that I can look up to and you know really learn from. And you know, for me growing up, it was always my coaches. Like, yeah. It was always my coaches. They were always my my father figures, but also like my mentors. And over time, over the course of time, I've gravitated. Uh, I've been able to connect with a few others in my life. And I mean, it's just so key because when you look at a mentor, this is somebody who's older in the game, maybe 30, 40 years old. So 10, 15, 20 years older than you, mm -hmm. who's been in your shoes, mm -hmm. who has all the answers to the test. Mm -hmm. Why would you not want those answers? You know, why would you not want to pick their brain? Mm -hmm. um, and I think that's something that uh, I've always uh, seeked. And because of that, I've always reaped the benefits of it. And um, just being laced to the game and, uh, learning new things that, you know, you wouldn't, you know, you wouldn't know if it was just on, if you're just on your own journey. And uh, I think it's just important also for uh, kind of, kind of having a compass in life. You can always bounce back on certain parts of your life and mm -hmm. you know, say you're going through a, a downtime and you know, can reach out to your mentor and ask them, Hey, what's your advice for me right now? And then even if they're a good time, it's great to be able to bounce back and say, Hey, you know, I've, I've just achieved this accomplishment and let's, he'll, he'll always check me and be like, what's next? You know, yeah. what are you going to do next? You know, what's the next move? Mm -hmm. So just having that as a compass in my life has been huge. And I, I just, every athlete out there, and you don't even have to be an athlete to have a mentor, man. It's just so critical. Uh, and whatever your passions are, there's going to be opportunities to have mentorships. You just got to be seek, willing to seek it and be vulnerable and open to that idea. Mm -hmm. And you kind of touched up on it. I was going to ask for the follow-up question. Um, like how exactly do you get that humility in yourself where, I mean, it's not easy to ask for advice. Of course, you always want to be the one who knows what's going on and you, and you don't want to not look stupid, but like you want to know, you want to look like you know what you're doing. But when you ask someone questions and you get to that, um, kind of just mindset where like, Hey, I, I can do better if I, if I talk to this person. Um, and I know I, it's like leaving your, they say leaving your ego at the door where you kind of just, um, you know who you are, but you know that you need other people to help you. Like, how how did that play in 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 you growing up? As far as knowing that you don't have to always have the answers. Yourself. Yeah, I mean, I think being humbling yourself is key because mm. you have to understand that you don't know everything. And as a child, I think as a kid growing up, you you, know, you think you know everything. You really don't know shit. Um, <laughs> But and really what I'd say is you have to humble yourself. You have to be willing to accept feedback. And that has to be both positive and negative feedback. And I think that's mm -hmm. one thing that kids struggle with is hearing negative feedback. And, you know, when you have a mentor in your life who is strong, who cares about you, mm -hmm. um, they're going to give you feedback that will hurt sometimes. Yeah. You know? Mm -hmm. But it's, they wouldn't tell you that if they didn't really care about you. Exactly. Um, so, you know, it's important that you're open to it, but you're also willing to hear it. And I mean, I think one thing everyone can work on is just being a better listener. I think all of us love to talk, mm -hmm. say our piece, but none of us want to listen. Mm -hmm. And I think for me personally, I was a terrible listener. I still am at times. <laughs> I'm always working on it. 
but it's crazy if you just listen at you know listen to your mentors or listen to people around you take the advice and apply it to life i mean life is just that much easier yeah for sure and uh i mean it was very unfortunate what happened of course with kobe bryant and him passing away but with that happening like we were able to kind of hear more stories of him and you have someone top of the game best athlete in the world best basketball player in the world constantly asking questions on how to make himself better and that's reaching out to to every that you can that they say that he reaches out to Michael Jordan, Hakeem, like all these people for different little aspects that he can kind of take. So um, that's kind of cool how I can kind of see that, that, that mama mentality in a way in, in your side too, as far as um, that humility and then just understanding that, that you can ask more people um, for more information to help you out. Um, so no, yeah, for sure. If, cool. if Kobe was asking questions and seeking mentorship, bro, like mm-hmm. that just shows, it goes to show everyone should, you know, you exactly. could be at the top of the game, but there's, Despite you being at the top of the game of basketball, it doesn't mean that you're the top of the game in business mm-hmm. or mm-hmm. relationships. So there's always ways to grow. And exactly. having that open mindset is key in life. Yep, exactly. So kind of touching on that as far as more aspects in your life. Like um, I said that we met through basketball, but um, as I got to know you um, through school and through life and being one of my best friends, um, I saw recently that you've been getting into phot- photography and you've been you've been – lighting it up over there, doing your thing with that. So how exactly did you get into photography? It's crazy, bro. Um, and how we kind of are coming off the topic of mentorship. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I met somebody in my life. His name is uh, Joe. And Joe essentially was somebody I met when I came back uh, into the D.C. area after graduating college in 2016. So I came back mm-hmm. in, in uh, May of 2016, started working my full-time job and you know, it was a little strange trying to find a community here. And luckily I found one um, through uh, a small little basketball pickup league. And I started going there and Joe was essentially like the organizer. Mm-hmm. He wasn't the commissioner yet because we didn't turn into a league yet. But essentially every Tuesday and Thursday we'd play basketball. And, you know, we go out there, we'd hoop. It was fun. But I, w- I, would, lo- I would basically every time i go there, I would pick his brain, learn mm-hmm. a little bit more from him. And I later found out. Um, through one of our friends who uh, you who you actually know, Erwin Go, uh-huh. uh, that Joe was the founder of this thing called Hoop District, which mm-hmm. is a uh, media blog that covers the Washington Wizards. Yeah. And I was just so intrigued. I was like, wait a minute, you're you have access to the locker room, and you get to <laughs> interview John Wall and all these guys after games, and mm-hmm. you get to go to practice. And I was like, that's crazy. How do I how do I sign up? Yeah. And Joe was like, you know what? Hey, if you write a few articles. Um, I might give you a shot, but you know, you know, it's, it's not given. You have to really earn it. Mm-hmm. Right. And you know, this is a, a, probably a year after getting to know Joe and Joe got to know me and, you know, we shared, shared some good times on the court and it really just got to build that rapport, which is why it's so key, you know, building relationships mm-hmm. and um, being kind. You never know who you're going to meet, you exactly. know? And I, I was able to build that relationship with Joe and um, later that year. So I asked him probably in, in, April and I, I was writing some articles. I honestly I hated writing. I'm terrible. I'm a terrible writer, um, <laughs> but I did it because I, you know, I wanted to. I wanted to make this happen. I remember I had like three people, three different people edit my my uh, articles, and it was just such a long process. But c- come that fall, so September of twenty, uh, I believe it was twenty seventeen at the time, um, Joe goes, "Hey, uh, I have an opportunity for you. What are you, what are you doing Monday?" And I was like, uh, "Probably going to work." He's like, "Take off. Uh, you're going to media day." And that's really where it opened mm. up, where he gave me access 
uh, into the media world. And from there it took off. So essentially how this traces back all the way to photography is during that season, during the 2017, 2018 season, all I used was my iPhone. And I remember taking photos of my iPhone and things were blurry because, you know, they were jumping and dunking and, I, you know, it's blurry. Yeah. So, you know, I was I would get frustrated, but I'd be like, it's okay. Like, I'm, I'm going to write. But over the course of the season, I would go home. I would I would go to the games, which you get there around, like, 5. Game doesn't start till 7. You leave after, like, the scrums in the locker room. You probably leave, like, around 11, 11.30. Mm-hmm. And then after every game, you're expected to produce something, right? So you're supposed to write. So I would get home around, like, 12 with, you know, having to go to work at tomorrow morning at 8 a.m. And it would take me like three hours to write this paper, to write this article, and get it produced. I, mean, I would go to sleep like at three a.m. like after a game, so it was just a long process. So I was like, Dan, I don't want to write forever. I got to figure a way out of this. Uh-huh. So it was exactly two years ago, uh, in July of 2018, I had the opportunity to go to summer league, <laughs> and it was yeah, it was that famous moment where <laughs> LeBron had you know he had he had it was his first time wearing Laker gear. Yeah. Um, we, me and Noel had gone. So Noel, obviously, you know, he's a videographer. Mm. Um, me and Noel had gone, got access to the district to cover the Wizards. And we had sat in that same seat all week. So we got there on Wednesday. We left on Sunday. Mm. LeBron arrived on Sunday, our last day. We didn't know he was coming until we were in an Uber ride on the way to the game that day where uh-huh. we knew the Lakers were playing. So we're like, oh, crap, LeBron's coming. Yeah. We sat in that same seat. Um, and literally like a minute before the game, LeBron walks in and sits right in front of us. And it was just, it was crazy. It was yeah. kind of like a crazy feeling. But for me being who I am, I was upset because I was like, dang, all I have is an iPhone. Like <laughs> I wish I had a camera. I wish I had a camera like Noel. Yeah. And, and really bro, that's, that's the reason why I invested into a camera. Like mm. I, I've always loved taking photos, Yeah. but that's it was cool. really with my iPhone. But man, like I was like, you know, I'm going to invest in myself. So I literally, I got off the flight when I came back from Vegas. And I think three days later, I bought, the, I bought the a seven three and invested mm. money into myself and yeah, the rest sure. of history, bro. Yeah. That's a, it's funny you say that because I mean, we kind of talked about this before, but like when you said you invested in a, a camera and you would just use your iPhone, whenever we'd be at JMU and we would, let's say we were walking to the gym or something, you know, how JMU always have, has a nice sunset or whatever. But we would, you would be like, oh, dude, look at the sunset. I'm going to take a pic. And I'm like, I'm like man, I want to take a pic, too. This is nice. And then I see mine compared to yours. I'm like, dang, Rob's is a lot better than mine. I don't know. I don't know. I didn't, I didn't capture it correctly or what. But it's funny because you've, al- you've always had that, like, that good eye as far as the angles and the zoom and the, and all that stuff. So that's that's pretty I, cool. I husband. appreciate that, bro. Yeah. That, that crazy, that's crazy. It gives me good memories. I remember we used to walk uh, past that lake. Yeah. By the stadium. Exactly. To get home and That's exactly stop. what I'm thinking about right there. Yeah, bro. We saw some purple and pink sun- <laughs> and sunsets, bro. I miss that, bro. I miss exactly. it so much. Exactly. Um, so, I mean, I, every, the, the listeners now can kind of hear as far as your personality and how um, when you see something, you go, you go like all in for it and, and your passion is definitely there for whatever you do. Um, and you're definitely a driven individual, a, a, a go-getter. Um, so what exactly, how, how do you keep your motivation? What, like what keeps you motivated in terms of keep, keeping your foot on the, on the pedal? Yeah, I think for me personally, it, it roots back to my family. Um, and you know, when I, when my family, when my mom and dad were 25, um, they're figuring out how to make their way into the U S you know, my grandmother, I'm talking about my aunts. I mean, they come from humble beginnings. And mm-hmm. I was actually talking to my aunt the other day and she was telling me about my grandma and how my grandma's career 
was selling tomatoes and onions on the street. And it's just crazy. Like my, my grandma didn't make it to the U.S. until she was like maybe 60. And I'm born here and I get to go to, an ed, you know, American education. I have all this opportunity. I get to go to college. And not only do I have a career, but I have side passions and hobbies. Like it's when I look at it, it I'd be doing them injustice if I didn't pursue all the things I am doing right now mm-hmm. and aspiring to be the best version of myself. Because at the end of the day, like these are opportunities that they worked hard for, for me to be able to reap the benefits of, you know, 30, 40 years later, now that we're here in the U.S. So I think having that in my back pocket and being a minority has been a major um, advantage for me. And a lot yeah. of people say being a minority in the U.S. is a disadvantage. And for me, I think it's an, an advantage because mm-hmm. I know where I came from. I know how hard it was to mm-hmm. get here. I know how I have family members and cousins and uncles and aunts who live in the Philippines who've never been here. And exactly. to them, like, the U.S. is a golden ticket. Like, if mm-hmm. they were to come here once, they would be happy. They'd be happy to die. Yep. And I'm over here living, living the, you know, the dream and being able to pursue all the things I can do. So I think when it comes to being the go-getter, I mean, I think about my family and I think about my roots and I think about how, uh, how I got lucky and it was literally a golden ticket. And you know, I think about that all the time. So that's yeah. really what my motivation is, bro. Yeah, that's awesome. And what you kind of touch on is exactly as far as what I touch on as well. And I kind of said in the, in the first episode, as far as just, I will quickly touched upon it, is that like, the stuff that we see as far as difficulties is like compared to what our parents and grandparents had to do to come over here is like so minuscule. And just the fact that they were able to do it is like, man, like I, it's not like I'm trying to one up them, but like we owe it to them to kind of be the best versions of ourselves and use what we can. Cause we don't want, we don't want to waste the opportunity that they gave us here to do what we can. Um, so that, that's kind of cool to hear from you as far, cause that's, that's kind of what goes through my head as to, as well as, as trying to, um, go on with my career and stuff and, and, and provide for, for my family. So yeah, that's, that's pretty awesome. Yeah, bro. You said that, you said that hundred percent right, bro. We owe it to them. So, mm-hmm. but, um, so kind of moving on and touched on it a little bit as far as your roots with the Philippines and this goes along with you being a go-getter and, and being so driven and it's with your Puso Foundation. Um, and I told you from the beginning when I, when I wanted to get this, these podcast episodes going, I, I wanted to get you um, on the episode first just to show you how vital um, of the impact you and your organization has had on Breaking Barriers Basketball. And I was like, man, I got to get Rob on here. Like, like this, he's the one that set the tone as far as um, seeing your vision, how you've been able to be um, a positive um and positively affect so many people um and i've told you that i've told you this before but uh you inspired me um to try and try to make my own organization while while i'm using basketball but um as my platform and that's kind of what i'm doing but um so how did you kind of come up with the idea of, of the puso foundation for the listeners and and what got it going yeah so for everyone who doesn't know what the puso foundation is uh the puso foundation uh uh, is the purpose also stands for the purposeful unconditional service to others, and it's also an acronym known as the PUSA Foundation. Uh, we are a 501c3 uh, international nonprofit organization. We're based here in the Washington D.C. area, uh, but we have had served and touched ground in six different countries around the globe. That includes the Philippines, um, El Salvador, Dominican Republic, uh, Liberia, and Ethiopia, as well as here in the U.S. Um, but yeah, the Pusa Foundation, I think that's really what changed my life uh, when mm-hmm. I first moved back here. Uh, aside from obviously meeting Joe and getting into photography, you know what I'm saying, the media game. Uh, when I moved back, 
you know, I had gone through certain things in my life and a lot of dark moments in my life growing up. Mm -hmm. And I, I thought that when I graduated that everything would, you know, would, would come, come to light where it was like, all right, I graduated. This is what I went to school for. This is why I've worked so hard all these years. I got a nice job, nine to five. I get to go on vacation. I get 401k. I get PTO. <laughs> Great. Mm-hmm. And six months in, I just felt so purposeless. You know, mm-hmm. I felt empty. You know, I was like doing the same thing. I was going to work, you know, dreading through my nine to five, <laughs> leaving, leaving work, uh, working out, you know, getting dinner, going to sleep, repeat. Yeah. And I was just in this cycle where I was like, man, there's no way this is what, what we're born to, to, to do in this world. You know, mm-hmm. there's just not the reason why I was born. And I really had to dig deeper. So what I ended up doing was I realized, all right, well, I have some PTO saved up. Uh, so this is the summer of 2017. I was like, hey, I'm going to go to the Philippines and I'm going to do some service work out there. I'm going to go back to my roots. Mm-hmm. You know, every time I went back to the Philippines, I feel like it just always humbled me mm-hmm. to see like, you know, the upbringings of people, how, you know, yeah, random kids playing basketball with no <laughs> shoes, no slippers, yeah. no socks, but the biggest smile on their face. It's yep. crazy. Yep. So, you know, I was like, I want, I want to go back and just be in that culture, be in that, you know, the environment. And I was telling a colleague of mine at work, his name is Zana, and he's from Kurdistan. He was like, bro, that's an amazing thing that you're trying to do. I want to donate $20 to your cause. And at the time I was a little shaken up and, you know, taking money is like, uh, yeah, exactly. no, I'm, I'm good, yeah. man. He's like, he's like, no, take it. I'm like, in the back of my head, I'm like, ah, okay. <laughs> and, you know, I went home and I was like thinking about it. I was, like, I was just so hyped that he gave me 20 bucks off that idea. And I was mm-hmm. like, man, what if I like shared my story with, you know, my friends and family mm-hmm. on social media and maybe started to go fund me and yeah. trying to raise, you know, a thousand dollars, something more than $20. That way, you know, when I go out there, I, I don't only help the families that I see, but I can help like multiple families yeah. and really bless these lives. So, I was like, all right, let me just start a GoFundMe, see where this goes. I consulted some of my closest friends, my girlfriend, and mm-hmm. we talked about it, and boom, it was up. And, and you know, I was three weeks away from my trip, and I was like, let's see where this goes. And within that three weeks, I raised over five thousand dollars. Wow! And I was just, you know, I was just shocked by the love that I got, and you know that that money was more than enough for the mission trip. Uh, mm-hmm. That during that two weeks, it was enough money to give back for the entire year of giving in the Philippines. Wow. As you know, a dollar, a dollar is 50 pesos. Yeah. 50 pesos can buy you a full meal, you know, mm. you know, and, and it can get you by the day out there in the Philippines. So it goes a long, long way. So that's really where the seed of the PUSA Foundation was born. But it wasn't even then. Like, PUSA wasn't even a thing then. It was called the Road Less Traveled yeah. 2017. Yeah. When PUSA actually came about, it was when I got back home from that trip that summer. And... I was just, you know, I was in a in a state of mind where I was like, wow, I'm back at this nine to five, um, back to regular life. Was that two weeks just a dream? Was it uh-huh. something that I just did a one time thing for, or is this going to be like the rest of my life? Am I going to try and really push this as, you know, a mission for the rest of my life? And I chose the latter, and mm-hmm. I started reaching out to close friends to be part of, you know, the the executive team and started consulting my, my uh, brother about some names and mm-hmm. that's where uh, PUSO came about. So we named it, you know, the PUSO foundation, PUSO yeah. Tagalog translates to the word heart. So also stands for the heart foundation and that's where it all began, bro. And um, looking back at it, you know, it was just a small idea um, yeah. and now it's catapulted into an international organization that's transformed and helped over 18,000 lives across the globe. 
providing folks for, you know, that are, that are, you know, in bad situations affected by poverty or natural disasters. Um, it's just so much to it, bro. And it changed my life, but it's also changed a lot of lives along the way. And I think that's mm-hmm. the most important thing is I think we're all here, uh, in this world to uplift each other and to show love, exactly. especially where we can. And, you know, it's given me a platform to really serve wherever, whenever, and however I can. So, yeah. Um, you know, it's, it's, a, it's a team thing though, bro. So it's not just me. It's, I have an amazing group around me and it's an amazing support system. So that, that's been a, a key part of the journey of the last three years. Yeah, exactly. And kind of dating back, I still remember when you were kind of, you, before you made the trip, you, you gave me a call and you had your, you gave, you gave your idea. You let me know your idea and you, I could just tell the passion and the, and you were so hyped. Like you were just like, this is, you were, you were, like I said, you're going, you're stepping on this pedal and you're going your full force into this idea. And it's crazy. And like a blink of an eye, it's the, now we see the Puso foundation to what it is now. It's like, man, it's, it's just crazy how you're able to, um, how to, how you're able to accomplish this when you, when you set your mind to it and just kind of go all in and especially with the help of others. Um, but it's just so, so crazy to see as far as where it's come in such a short, short period of time. So, um, that's, that's pretty, that's pretty amazing. Yeah, I appreciate that, bro. It's come a long way, and you know, I really think that um, it's it's been driven because of how organic and transparent we are. Mm-hmm. Um, I think with a lot of millennials, um, you know, we want to give back, we just don't know how, and we're also exactly. not the type to just donate a hundred dollars online. We want to see and be part of it and mm-hmm. be involved. And I think that's one of the beautiful things about uh, Puso is we give people the opportunity to get hands on, to be creative in their own sense, and to bring their gifts. Like my our entire leadership team um, are very, are, we're very diverse. First yeah. of all, in terms of you know our our, our industry backgrounds, our experience, and our careers. So we give everyone essentially an opportunity to come home after their nine to five or whatever business they're running, and be part of something greater than themselves and add mm-hmm. their gifts and their skills. So like you know, for example, someone like you know Morgan Payne. Uh, she's in short to JMU with us. Mm-hmm. She's a graphic designer. She was a SNAD major at JMU. Yeah. So what is she doing for Puso? She's a gra- she's our graphic designer. She's helping yeah. us, you know, put our logo. She was the one who actually created the logo. Mm-hmm. Um, so things like that where we use our gifts for a greater cause. Yeah. And um, when you do that, I just feel like, you know, the world, the universe, whatever you believe in God, it will always pay you back in, in, in full. Yeah, exactly. And what you were saying before, as far as you're able to make an impact on others and like what I just kind of said before, you probably don't even realize is that not only are you making a direct impact on those people that you're helping in the Philippines, those families, those kids, those people in need, but you're making an impact on the people watching. Like I'm here from the side um, donating and watching and I'm like, man, like if Rob's doing this, like obviously I can do something like this too. Like we're more than capable and that's what what I'm kind of saying as far as you made an impact indirectly impacting me starting this whole thing and how we can kind of use basketball to basically do the same exact stuff as what you're trying to, with what your guys are doing at, um, with Puso. And, um, it's just kind of cool as far as how you don't even realize the, the way you're impacting people, um, indirectly compared to directly what, which is like your main mission, but it's, it, it's, it's a cool aspect as far as, globally um if that, if that kind of makes sense but yeah no for sure bro and it, it's just contagious energy man exactly uh, when you, when you exactly. put good when you put good energy into the world mm-hmm. you, know, you receive it right back and i think going into that you know that indirect um impact like our, our mission statement is hope with a purpose and 
um, in many ways, hope with a purpose can be very vague. Um, but, you know, not only are we providing hope to individuals that are, you know, affected by poverty, but we're doing it for people like you because hope mm-hmm. is something that everyone needs. And okay. the reason why the mission statement is even hope with a purpose is because my upbringing, you know, with me, you know, losing my mom to cancer at the age of nine, not mm-hmm. growing up without my father. Mm-hmm. Um, I, there was a little, there was a lot of dark times in earlier in my life. And the way I got through that was hope. People yep. gave me hope. The community came together for me friends, family, mentors, they all came together and gave me hope that Robert, you're going to be somebody one day. Exactly. And just that alone, you know, changed my life. So in many ways, you know, I'm just, it's, so, it's such a blessing to be able to hear that um, more indirectly, um, yeah. you know, inspiring you, bro. And you know, it's, actually, it's actually funny. There's also another big group that's been created recently. Their name's Kalua. One of my guys named JJ, he runs it and he's, it, it was inspired through Puso. So exactly. that's what I'm it, saying. It's just, a, yeah, it's crazy to hear it, man. Yeah. For sure. For the listeners who might might be unfamiliar, um, what type of projects and uh, and events specifically have you guys done, um, and how do you guys come up with ideas in, in getting those started? Yeah, so for sure. So for our fundraising events, we really we just want to make it fun. We want to find a way to make giving effortless and seamless. And essentially, we've run five different annual events in the U.S. Um, essentially, it's a devotion emotion boot camp. Uh, a care to compete fly football tournament, a switch for a wish basketball tournament, a putting for purpose, uh, golf tournament, and then lastly our end of the year countdown for a cause, New Year's Eve celebration. And each event, you know, you go to, you know, it's it's young, it's good energy. I mean, it's a mixture of everyone actually. We have parents come out, mm-hmm. so it's a good diversity, and everyone's there for a greater cause. Like you know, you, but you don't it doesn't even feel like it because you're there to play basketball, you're there to play golf, like you're there to have a good time. And ultimately, when you have that energy all in one room, um, it just it turns out to be an incredible feeling and an incredible experience. We call it the Pusa experience because mm-hmm. uh, regardless of the what the weather is forecasted to be or how hard it was to set it up, God always provides for every event that we have, and it's always been fruitful, uh, which is amazing. And it's also run by all of my program directors, so it's not like I'm running all these events. Uh, I have a, a group of program directors on my team who – have come up with those ideas who have taken it head on and really have led the way. And that's another key thing about this, about the Pusa foundation is being able to empower some of my closest friends to becoming leaders and stepping out of the comfort zone Mm -hmm. and um, really, you know, choosing to step up and um, lead something that they've never done before. And Mm -hmm. uh, that's been amazing from that front. And as far as our service work uh, in the Philippines, it's actually all led by a good friend of mine, my little brother, Jordan Bartlett, he plays at LaSalle University out there in the Philippines. So for all my hoopers out there, essentially that's like the Duke University out there. Yep. Um, but yeah, through, through that as well, we make giving fun. You know, we do it through basketball camps. We do it through, you know, Christmas giveaways. You know, one time we did an event where we renovated an entire basketball court and, you know, we brought out a PBA player to come out uh, to cut the ribbon of the brand new basketball court, which had our logo at the very middle of the court. Mm-hmm. Uh, so we, just, we make it fun and we make it, uh, you know, just interactive entertainment. We bring music, we bring food, uh, we bring everyone together. At yeah. the end of the day, you know, it's, it's multifaceted. It's not just to give them a basketball, give them, you know, food, give them clothing, but it's also the experience to get to know mm-hmm. them and, mm-hmm. you know, really share, hey, this is not just for us to take videos and photos and posts. This is for exactly. us to get to know you and share who you are, share my name and get to know who you are. So, do you have any um, specific event, ev- events lined up for the future? I know it might be kind of tough 
with uh, the COVID situation, but is there anything that listeners could look forward to? Yeah, yeah, for sure. So we're actually doing a huge project out in the Philippines called the Swell of Hope. And essentially the Swell of Hope is uh, a project that was created to uh, bring island relief to islands. As you know, the Philippines is made up of over 7,000 islands. So uh, a lot of islands have been affected by COVID-19, not necessarily uh, health-wise, but economically uh, because of the lack of tourism. Uh, it's caused, you know, no jobs in terms of the fishermen who are trying to get fish for local hostels and hotels. And you're talking about just the local the gift shops and people that just sell, you know, food on the street. Like that's a huge, that's a huge market out there. That's a, a career out there in the Philippines mm-hmm. of selling, you know, like, like I said, tomatoes, onions, like fruit on the food on the street. So if there's no people you know, traveling, it's hard to really make ends meet. And uh, that's a huge project that we have. And the reason why we titled it Swell of Hope is because uh, at first we wanted to call it waves of hope. Uh, mm-hmm. But what swell is, is a swell is something in the water and it's a storm that happens in the water that causes waves. And, the storm happens from thousands of miles away. So a swell happens deep into the ocean. And because of its storm in the middle of the ocean, it causes ripples of waves onto the beach mm-hmm. to where the island's actually at. And the way we reference that is that's us. We're right. making the swell of we're making the swell here. We're causing the storm, you know, a positive storm. Mm-hmm. And because of our impact, thousands of miles away, we're gonna be able to provide rice and sanitary pads and mm-hmm. you know backpacks and notebooks and crayons so it, it we're causing that storm from here and, and because of that the, the ripple effects happening on the island which is beautiful so stay on the lookout for that we're going to be uh releasing some videos and sharing our mission there uh, at some point this month awesome that's that sounds amazing um do you have any advice for listeners um who who want to like you kind of touched on this before but who want to make a positive impact in their community, but they're not quite sure what to do. Like you, like you said, with millennials now, they don't want to just, I mean, it's, they're, they're fine donating, but they want to have a reason. They want to see it for themselves. And if there's any advice you have as far as um, kind of things like that. Yeah. I'd say, you know, finding a cause that you, that you want to stand for, right? Mm-hmm. Then a day there's, there's thousands of charities out there that you could be part of. So finding a cause that you stand for, that you want to support where you feel as if your voice, your impact can be made. Um, obviously there's a, a lot of bigger organizations out there. Uh, so I would say, you know, try and support a local one, try mm-hmm. and support a startup nonprofit that you would have the opportunity to have a voice in. And that's really what we are. And that's what we really have tried to do in terms of, uh, our, any new donors, any new supporters is given that the opportunity hands on to be involved. Mm-hmm. Um, but ultimately I, I would say just finding a cause that you really believe in, uh, that you're passionate about, uh, that you would want to, you know, put your name on and be part of. Awesome. Awesome. Uh, so moving on to this, this next topic, and this is kind of um, a universal topic as far as when I have like for future episodes and guests to come in and kind of talk about basketball just because, um, you know, Breaking Bridge basketball is just about basketball and how it is more than just a sport and it's bigger than a sport and how it's been able to um, positively impact the community and everyone and, and athletes all around. Um, so it's, it's, it's a cool story because we actually met through basketball. You kind of touched on it before when, when we were younger, you had the highlights, you're a little bit chubby and stuff. And that was back in the days when you were, when you were shooting at the wrong ends of the hoops. <laughs> Man, I was crazy, crazy time. <laughs> Negative two points. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh, but with that being said, uh, how has basketball or just being an athlete in general, how has that made you who you are today? And what exactly has it kind of taught you? everything 
Everything I know is from sports, man. Um, everything I've learned from hard work to teamwork to adversity um, to dedication through sacrifice. Uh, I have applied all of those lessons back into the real world. And um, I think, you know, when it starts off with, you know, getting to know people, you asked me a question earlier, is how are you so personable? I think, you know, like I said, it started with sports, like, mm-hmm. you know, getting to know people on the team, learning that they're from different backgrounds and learning from one another and growing. And uh, honestly, as an athlete, um, I feel like I can relate to so many people because I was an athlete. Mm-hmm. Um, it gives me an advantage over people who haven't been athletes or who, who didn't play get the chance to play sports and ultimately I just feel at the end of the day uh, it changed my life because you know I've taken those skills and those lessons and I've applied them in every facet of my own exactly exactly uh when you kind of touched on it before just just now as far as adversity like can you kind of touch on specific adversity that you kind of had to face through maybe basketball or football or whatever whatever sport that you kind of think of that you went through and how you're able to persevere through it yeah for sure um I think you know with injuries, uh, my junior year of high school, I had a bad concussion mm-hmm. uh, that took me out. And, you know, it was tough. It was tough getting back into shape um, and having to deal with migraines and having to go to school. So that was one thing. I think losing, losing, I've, I've lost a lot in my life. Mm-hmm. Uh, and because I've lost a lot, of li- a lot of times in basketball and football, you know, it made failures in life okay because I realized that it's just a game mm-hmm. and you're going to take that game as long as you learn from the game and learn from the lessons that you made, the mistakes you made, then you can apply it to whatever's next and grow from there. And mm-hmm. that's honestly really transformed a lot in the business world for myself is taking chances on myself and understanding that although I may fail, it's okay to fail because by failing, you're actually going to learn more from your failures than from winning. Yeah. So that's another key thing I've done. And Overall, I just think with, with adversity and, you know, being having, you know, two minutes left in the game and you're down by five, learning how to stay composed and, and to, to kind of be able to get through uh, a time which is rattling where mentally you're, you're, you're shook. But, you know, after doing that plenty of times in games, you realize, all right, well, when it comes to crunch time for a project I need to get done mm-hmm. by tonight, all right, let me lock in and let me get this done. Exactly. So there's a lot of different examples I could provide by the end of the day. To all the athletes out there, you know, continue to realize the benefits you are reaping from playing the game of basketball, game of football, whatever you play, uh, because it transcends right back into the real world. Yep, exactly. Do you have any favorite uh, basketball memories or stories that you can kind of um, recall, whether it's at your time at Ireton or JMU or the Arfiba days, um, anything like that? Yeah, but well, I said definitely our JMU days, man. I remember Friday afternoons at UREC. <laughs> So yeah. for any any Dukes out there, man, that was literally my favorite day of the week because yeah. all the Hoopers would come out. Mm-hmm. And you literally, if you lose, you're waiting oh, six or seven games, man. You might as well leave. Yep. But I just remember, like, getting to the court and trying to figure out who's there so you can pull up and make sure you're on the right, right <laughs> five. Um, but I just remember how aggressive it was, but also how high level the competition was. Mm-hmm. It was great, yeah. great comp, especially when, the club team used to pull up because, mm-hmm. you know, sometimes they would have practice so they wouldn't be there. But whenever they were there, you know, it would just electrify the, the environment. And mm-hmm. I met a lot of my best friends there from, you know, Fani to Jeff mm-hmm. to Nick, you know, to obviously all the guys that we met all across the way. But um, I, I love that. And that kind of transcended into like the intramural game. So, 
you know, playing basketball and winning the the championship my senior year was great. That was fun. Uh, we were you were on that team, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That dev. Yeah, we, we, we had a, we had we a, pretty, had a pretty stacked team. Like we were way over the salary cap for that team for sure. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you know, I was pulling strings. There were like only two <laughs> yeah. two club members. I'm like, oh, he's inactive. He's and he technically quit, so. yeah, no, exactly. <laughs> We had an inactive I don't know how you did it, but sooner or later we're, we're gonna get uh, sanctioned by the NCAA, and that joint's not gonna count. We're gonna, we're gonna have to return our shirts. Nah, bro. Nah, hell no. I'm keeping that shit forever, bro. <laughs> yeah, I, wear, I wear that all the time, still, bro. I hang that thing. I don't even touch it. I just hang it. Hey, you got to man. Precious, precious exactly. metal. Exactly. Um, but kind of touching on that, it's funny because how you're saying like the runs were just so 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 like deep there that, I mean. If you if you lose like you did have to wait that six seven six seven games but like there was three other courts and we could have easily went onto the other courts but we're like nah we we gotta stay here and, and just get get the runs while we can over here because it was almost like a, a proving grounds for everyone like to kind of show everyone what you're made of and and and, and like you just said as the camaraderie and kind of and kind of going to that so that was always fun. Facts, bro. I love the competition, man. Yeah. Um, you have a favorite basketball team? Yeah, favorite basketball team has to be the LA Lakers, bro. It's because of Kobe Bryant, man. I grew mm-hmm. up; that was my my hero, bro. So, yeah. LA Lakers all the way. I st- I still remember <laughs> this was our sophomore year when we lived in that apartment, and I was in my room. You knocked on the door. I said, "Yo, what's up?" And then you said, "Yo, look at this." And it was in your. Fr- <laughs> I don't know if you remember this. But it was on your door, and you told me, look at this. We walked over to your door, and it was a Sports Illustrated cover of Dwight Howard, Steve Nash. And I don't remember if Kobe was on there, but it was them two for sure. And they were doing, like, their, their Sports Illustrated pose, cover, whatever. But on the faces of <laughs> Steve Nash and Dwight Howard <laughs> were face was my face and your face. Do you remember that? <laughs> I do, bro. I do. <laughs> that was so funny. Well, we I it. saw that. I was, uh, I was like. Wow, this is pretty cool. <laughs> I can't believe, dude. I remember we had a whole like wall, yeah, like with just with magazine like <laughs> posters. It was, it was just so college, bro. Yeah, like that is so true. We had we had like a poster with like girls in bikinis. Like, <laughs> like what? What was I doing? Why was yeah. this in my room, hanging over my head every time I slept? <laughs> Yeah, exactly, uh, but you kind of tu- you, you kind of touched on um, how Kobe Bryant was your favorite player growing up. What about currently in the NBA? Is there do you have a favorite player that you? And I, if it's LeBron, I'm gonna say someone else other than LeBron. No, no. It, okay. it, uh, first off, I I can't be. I I, I respect LeBron, but yeah. I, I'm such a Kobe fan. That, yeah, true. You know, it's like, I can see can't that. be can't be both. Right. Yeah. You know, it's tough to really. <laughs> Be a Kobe and a LeBron fan. It's mm. like, damn, you choose one. Yeah. Um, yeah. I I'd say personally for me, uh, somebody that I, I really have always uh, attracted to naturally, um, and you know, just respected a lot about his game is Damian Lillard. Mm. Um, I think one because he's an underdog. He's always been kind of like you know hasn't always been shown the respect that he deserves. But man, he's a cold blooded Cooper. Man, this yeah. guy gets after it. Um, he, you know, he's loyal to Portland, which has been great to see. And also, he just does a lot of things outside of just basketball. This guy also has, you know, a rapping career, and mm-hmm. he's, he's super talented on so many different facets uh, that I love. And so, Dame's someone I respect, and I always I've, I've followed for years now. Mm. Awesome. So, those those last kind of couple questions is kind of a precursor um, to our lightning round. It's it's kind of a way for us to kind of get to 
get to know you a little bit and it's just kind of these quick quick little answers and, and questions kind of kind of take us home as far as um uh putting a conclusion to this to this great to this great episode between us and um this great conversation between us um so we're gonna go ahead and start the lightning round and the first question is who is your favorite musical artist that you're listening to right now I think J. Cole, man. J. Cole speaks uh, Cole. the truth, and I love I love what he's able to do with his lyrics. Mm. Gotcha. Um, if you could have any superpower in the world, what would it be and why? Uh, to be able to eat whatever I want and still be fit. <laughs> wow, that's that cool. I've never heard that one before. I would love to eat whatever I want <laughs> and be fit, man. And actually, fun fact, I actually haven't eaten pork or red meat in uh, four months, so yeah. I stopped when COVID hit. So um, I don't know if people realize how hard that is being a Filipino because <laughs> Filipino food is just that exactly what you just said. It has to have that or else I don't think it is Filipino food, but that's just, that's a lot of determination and, and, um, and, and will bet- between doing that. So that's, that's pretty awesome. No, bro. Trust me. It's uh, every, almost every Filipino dish has <laughs> some saying. type of pork. Mm-hmm. Uh, or or red meat, man. So it's been tough, but um, I just feel healthier, bro. I challenge I challenge everybody out there to to try it, you know, at least for a week or something. Mm-hmm. Um, who is the most underrated basketball player? Um, to di- uh, well, hold on, shit. Who is the most underrated basketball player that needs more love, and that can be in the past or present? Bradley Beal, man. Bradley mm. Beal is. Yes. Terrific, yes. terrific basketball player. Uh, works hard every day. You know, I've had the chance to watch him grow over the course of last year um, at practice, at games, and he puts in the time. Um, big family guy, too. Mm-hmm. You know, has his two sons, his wife. Like, just a good, good, solid individual, uh, but super underrated for some reason. Mm-hmm. And I don't know why, but, I mean, he, he broke out this year, and he's going to do it again next year. Exactly. I still don't get how you get voted a starter by the players, and then you don't even make the team, like. That's, that's crazy, that's right? That's craziness. Um, who is your basketball goat, your greatest of all time? You know what? Um, the fan in me wants to say Kobe Bryant, but mm-hmm. I think it's MJ. Yeah. MJ, you know, after, especially after watching the documentary, we know we didn't grow up watching him because we were five or six when yeah. he was winning all these chips. But, man, he, you know, MJ changed the game. And um, what he did back then in the 90s, you know, he further accelerated basketball to what it is now and the global phenomenon it is today so he is the NBA GOAT gotcha that is my GOAT as well um, if you were in the NBA right now what number would you wear and why and this is actually pretty interesting because some especially in our FIBA tournaments you would I think you would have like different numbers every single time if I can remember correctly or you would have like a, a 90 number or like a teen number or something so what is what what number would you wear and why yeah so growing up I feel like I always had Number three because of AI. I love I love the AI fan, um, and I also had like ninety four. I think because of the year I was born. Mm. Um, if I had to choose one though, um, I'd say number eight, man. Mm. Number eight, my number one because of Kobe, and two because my other favorite number is one forty three. Mm-hmm. And when you add the numbers one four three up, it becomes number eight. So mm. uh, that's my number. Why is your favorite number one one forty three? Uh, 143 has a sentimental feeling to me where it's, it's something that, um, you know, reminds me of my mother, um, mm. because of, 
you know, certain things that happened in my life. So mm-hmm. every time I see number 143, I'm reminded of my mother who that's awesome. who's watching, uh, watching over me every step of the way. So, yeah, that's, that's beautiful. Um, if you could have dinner with any celebrity or athlete dead or alive, who would it be with and why? Any celebrity dead or alive. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I have to stick with it, bro. I, I said, I have dinner with Kobe, man. Yeah. Um, that's, that's my guy. And honestly, I think most Filipinos are, are Kobe fans too. And just what for he did sure. for, for basketball, man. Like he stayed in LA for 20 years. He didn't leave when he knew he wasn't going to get a title in his last five, six years. Mm-hmm. Um, and then to be able to, to win it twice in two different eras. And I mean, just the mentality he had towards the game, like mm-hmm. Kobe was different. He was in the, he was in the gym at 4am. Who else is in the gym at 4am mm-hmm. during the summer? a week after the NBA finals. Like yep. what he did was incredible. And the reason why he was the greatest player wasn't because he was six foot 10 and athletic and could dunk over everybody. It was because he was, you know, a hard worker. He was, he was regular size NBA player, six, mm-hmm. six, 215 pounds. Like he didn't have an advantage from that perspective. His advantage was mentality. And then the physical, you know, ethic, uh, work ethic that he had on the game and on the court. Exactly. Exactly. Um, so this last question is a universal question that I'm going to try and ask everyone that hops on this pod. And this question is very riveting. Is a hot dog a sandwich? No, it's not a sandwich. Why is it not a sandwich? Because the hot dog. <laughs> <laughs> but a definition of a, of a sandwich basically is a piece of meat or whatever in between two pieces of bread. Nah, Lizzie is not a sandwich. <laughs> it is not a sandwich. But what's the reason? Like, can you give me just a, a reason why you think so? Because you could eat the hot dog with just a hot dog. You don't have to get it with the bun. <laughs> I eat hot dogs with rice. That's not no sandwich. <laughs> hot oh, dogs, rice, and eggs, man. That's the Okay, okay. How about this? Is a hot dog in between two buns a sandwich? Potentially. <laughs> what in the world? Potentially, maybe I don't know. Maybe, maybe it is. No, no, I still don't think. It, I, when I think of a sandwich, I'm thinking like turkey and lettuce and mayo mm-hmm. and you know some mustard and little pickles. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. That's a, that's a sandwich. Okay. All right. All right. Sounds sounds good. Um, <laughs> so that's that's about it that we got from this episode, man. I, I really appreciate you coming um, and 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 speaking speaking your mind and letting us. Um, get to know you a little bit more, and and let it, talking about Puso and 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 the great things that you've done with that organization and your team over there. Um, and you you can for the listeners, you can see their stuff. Um, I'll let I'll let Rob give the social media um, handles and and the websites. Um, so if you can give so Rob, if you can give the listeners um, who to follow, you can give your, you can give yours as well or or anything like that. Yeah, so my personal is at Booba, so B-O-O-O-B-A-H, so three O's. Um, and then uh, our Puso Foundation page is at the, Puso, at the Puso Foundation, so at T-H-E-P-U-S-O Foundation, F-O-U-N-D-A-T-I-O-N. And then um, the business account that I run for, for photography is called All Pro Reels, so A-L-L-P-R-O-R-E-E-L-S. Um, and then what was the second part? Just a website. Yeah, website www.pusafoundation.org, uh, www.robertwbanez.com, 
And then lastly, www.allproreels.com, A-L-L-P-R-O-R-E-E-L-S.com. Awesome. Um, and before we go, if there's anything you can give as far as last advice or a quote that you live by to kind of give the listeners um, some something to kind of just dig into. Um, I say my quote is, how you do anything is how you do everything. Mm. So once again, that's how you do anything is how you do everything. So if you do something lazy to be in your day, when it's whether it's you know making your bed, brushing your teeth, getting out of bed, you know whatever it may be, and that work ethic will probably relate to a lot of other things in your life. So being late, if you're late to something and you're typically someone that's late, you're probably gonna be late to a lot of things. Mm-hmm. Um, so just kids out there, youth out there, start building good habits on the court, you know, mm-hmm. and off off the court because everything translates back to life and. Um, how you do anything is how you essentially do everything. So, Awesome. Love it. Um, once again, Rob, appreciate you, my brother. Um, thank you for everything. Thank you for being that voice and, and uh, just a friend um, and my brother and just someone I can always reach out to and if I, haven't, if I need any advice or if I just, just need someone to talk to. So I appreciate you, man. appreciate you coming and start starting this pod, starting this pod off with this first episode or second episode. Um, and I appreciate you, man. I love you. Love you too, brother. I appreciate you for having me, man.